We'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society, and today we'll be having a conversation, one that we actually had a couple of weeks ago, um, that really talked about the recent attack, which now would be about a month ago, on the Kremlin, and the state of the Russian-Ukrainian war, and what might be held for the future of this conflict. So, let's listen in. All right, Brooke. So today we're going to have a talk about things going on in Ukraine and in Russia. We're going to be talking a little bit about the Wagner Group, and we're going to be talking about the drone strike that just recently happened to the Kremlin and all the accusations and, I don't know, fantasy, alternate reality kind of things that are being put out, put out there about it. So what are you thinking? <laughs> Well, first of all, I, I um, struck me as being just in, incredibly embarrassing for Putin, regardless of how or in what way any explanation is given for the drone strike on the Kremlin. Blaming Ukraine means that, first of all, the Ukrainians have to be able to have flown a drone for a thousand kilometers, which is something like 500 miles. But it also means that all supposedly impenetrable Russian airspace defenses did not have any effect whatsoever, and that this drone was able to land and uh, bomb the roof or set fire to the roof of the Kremlin or whatever it did without any type of, of hindrance. If it was a, a false flag, then I don't know what Putin would hope to accomplish by saying, well, people are trying to kill me or the Ukrainians are trying to kill me by bombing the roof of the Kremlin. It's silly. And then uh, you were telling me just a few minutes ago that Putin was blaming the United States for it and that... <laughs> That really made me laugh. I mean, what on earth? I mean, how ineffective if a person were really trying to murder Putin? I mean, that would that would need to be the CIA, for example. I mean, we would have to be, I would hope, be much more effective than that. We don't have to do anything to Putin. He's running himself and his country into the ground very nicely. Unfortunately, of course, and, and tragically, he's murdering a lot of people along the way. To me, the, the, the attack on the, the roof of the Kremlin, um, I mean, how, unless Putin is standing up there on the roof admiring the view, that is, is it's hardly going to kill him to be setting off an explosive on the roof of a building that was built between uh, approximately 1485 to 1495. So this is a very old building. It's a fortified complex. And in Russia, every government building is known as a Kremlin. And every city has a Kremlin. The Kremlin, of course, is the one in Moscow. The, the chances of killing... Putin by having a drone drop an explosive on the roof of that building, I think are highly improbable. A, a person would have to blow up the entire structure and probably the entire complex. There's no guarantee that Putin would be in that building anyway. 
So the whole exercise is, is one of ridiculousness, waste of time and energy. I, I, I just don't see the point. What I find honestly even more fascinating uh, and more important is that the head of the Wagner group, um, Evgeny Prigozhin, has um, warned that uh, he is um, considering or he has informed Putin that he, he either will, may or will, remove himself and his troops from um, Bakhmut because they have no more ammunition or are running low on ammunition because of lack of support, effective support from Moscow, and that he is not simply going to permit his men engage in a fruitless battle when they have nothing to defend themselves with. Uh, as you and I were speaking earlier, Putin is probably highly unused to hearing the word, no, we're not going to continue to fight, and bye-bye, we're leaving, and there's nothing you can do to stop us when uh, he's used to everyone saying, yes, sir, and how how many people do you want us to send to the front, even if we have no ammunition? If um, Mr. Progosian does leave, it would be very, very interesting to me to see what happens if... Um, the NKVD or the GRU or, or any other such uh, agents do indeed spend years hunting him down to eliminate him because of his apparent disloyalty to Putin, and they do so very quietly, or what happens to him. It'll be very, very interesting to see what happens just in general. So, so what are your thoughts, Mark? Well, I would agree that the attack on the Kremlin... To say that it was the Ukrainians, and even more ridiculously, to say that it was the United States, uh, when we consider how ineffective the attack was, and it really was fairly ineffective. And let's remember, not only is the, the Kremlin a an old building, it's also a very large one. So, you know, attacking a, a dome doesn't really guarantee you much of anything other than just property destruction. That doesn't make sense. As you mentioned, it also says a lot if this did come from outside of russia it says a lot about russia's ability to protect their own airspace personally i would think that this looks more to me to be something from the inside faction groups that are against the war or faction of groups that are against uh putin being the ones that probably initiated this attack and once again if, if the united states wanted vladimir putin dead if they truly did, if they if they set their heart onto doing it, let's just think back to Osama bin Laden. Let's think back to uh, Saddam Hussein. Um, they they do it, even even though it's Russia. They they they'd be able to do such a thing. We have the mechanisms capable of making this happen. So, I the the idea, and I don't think it was Putin himself that said it was the United States. I think it was a spokesman uh, that that really made that statement. And, of course, the United States categorically denies that they were involved in this, as as I would I would tend to believe that, because, as you say, I think we we would we have far more effective uh, measures. if If this was an intent, we have far more effective measures. And just the idea of getting a drone through the supposedly impenetrable Russian airspace, and this is to their own estimation, their impenetrable airspace. 
uh, as I say, it either speaks very badly of their estimation and how secure their airspace is, or it says this drone didn't come from that far away. There's a lot to unpack there. I guess it all depends on how you, if you're looking for a scapegoat, sure, the Ukrainians look like a great scapegoat. Sure, the United States look like a great scapegoat. Heck, why not blame the Poles if you're going to, you know, blame somebody? Blame Finland. I mean, they're they're in NATO now. Um, you could blame all sorts of people. But Hunter Biden's laptop. It, it could be Hunter Biden's laptop. Somebody's sitting there, you know, doing that and controlling drones from Hunter Biden's laptop. I mean... Maybe it's Marjorie Taylor Greene's space laser. I, I I don't know. I mean, I it could be any one of these. It could be that. The um, space lasers. <laughs> but, but it truly is attempting to frame something that happened. Put on blame. But when you put on the blame the way they have to either Ukraine or the United States, it really kind of defeats the narrative of how secure your airspace is. And they've been very proud of that. Their airspace is is, is totally protected. So it, it kind of defeats that narrative. So you got to kind of pick one. You know, what, what are you going to go with? Was it from the outside, in which case your airspace protection isn't as good as you think it is? Or was it from the inside? And, of course, now there's the narrative of everybody supports the war in Russia. Well, if it came from the inside, obviously that's not the case. So you, you just got to pick which battle, which hill you wish to die upon and, and go from there. And I would, I would myself think that this was internal, could be his own military for all, for all we know. I mean, uh, as you, you know, you were saying about who would take Putin's place, you know, knowing Russian politics and the way Russian politics works, there really is, that's a, that's a tough call. I mean, that really is when uh, we've talked about it before. When Stalin died, there was a chosen successor. He lasted about 30 days. And, you know, Brezhnev took over because the the chosen su- successor at the time wasn't the brightest bulb in the box. Brezhnev was a, a true political, polit- you know, a political animal and was able to, to basically get him out. I'm sure that whoever is second in command to Putin probably is not the most politically strong person because why would Putin have the politically strong person as his second? That's somebody that could replace him. It's probably going to be somebody that's a lackey. So, I mean, there's still a lot of question of that. And I know that your concern is, is that if, if Putin was gone, the war would continue. I... That, that, that'd be tough to tell. I mean, that, that, that we'd have to see, um, as I say, uh, maybe cooler heads would prevail. Maybe that would happen. Hopefully that would happen. They basically cut their losses and go back. Now the Wagner group, that's, I, I think the thing that got me about the, the Wagner group's statement was, is, you know, the, the guy that's in charge of it, his concern for his men. So let's think about this for a minute. Most of his men come from prisons. This is not the, you know, cream of the crop of humanity, nor is it the cream of the crop of fighters as far as soldiers. They've lost a lot of men, and he didn't seem too terribly concerned about that. Now his problem is, is we don't have ammunition. I I can understand that being a concern, but the bottom line is, is that you've had other issues before this that you probably, maybe this is an excuse. 
This could be his excuse to get out, try to save a little face, which I, again, I don't understand how you do that when the majority of your employees are the, the dredges of humanity that you pulled out of different prisons. And the option was come to work for you and get shot at or languish in prison. So uh, again, we're not talking, we're not talking the, uh, cream of the crop of humanity here. So this may be his way of, of getting out, uh, and attempting to, I, I don't know, salvage something. My thought is, is I can't think of who else would use Wagner. Maybe somebody in Afghanistan, maybe the Iranians, maybe the Syrians, maybe, but I couldn't see any legitimate nation state hiring Wagner to come and do the fighting for them. And you're going to fight next to our troops. I, I, I just, I, I just don't see that. So again, very interesting statement from him about bullets does say a lot. Um, now the question is, is all right, his people don't have bullets. His people don't have the ammunition. What is the status of supply for the real Russian army? Where do they stand? And guaranteed, you're probably not going to hear anything negative on that front. But who knows? Yes, yes. And Russians also want a strong man leader and a boss type leader. And Putin cannot admit defeat. He cannot back down. He has to be seen as a strong man, a tough man, someone who stood up to the West. Um, This is and is being presented as the United States' fault. If you listen to RT, Russia Today, and the talk shows, the United States started the war. The United States wants to obliterate Russia entirely. Um, all Russian-speaking people entirely. Uh, the United States um, hates Russian-speaking people and uh, Russia as a country. And um, that is what they are fighting against. They are fighting for their very survival against the United States, which just, I, of course, when I listen to that i find that absolutely staggering because most americans don't give russia a second thought let alone the first thought uh, but apparently this is something that is very much on their minds or at least very much on the minds of the talk show hosts which means that this is coming from putin because he is creating an enemy creating a reason because ukraine is doing what its master, the United States, tells it to do. Therefore, it is Putin against the United States and the rest of the West, and Putin and Rus- the Russian people must prevail. So there, are, there will not be any negotiating, and as you said, there will not be any quitting, there will not be any retreating. This is going to continue. And you are probably right. So that's about all the time we have for this time around. Yes, sir. Always good to talk to you, Brooke. Great to speak with you, Mark. You take care. You too. We'll see you next time. 
So that's all the time we have for today's episode. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the JCIS, an open journal for upcoming scholars. The JCIS is currently accepting article submissions for their fall 2023 edition. Call for papers information can be found in the description. The Phoenix Group, an independent research consortium offering solutions for social issues through multidisciplinary and unbiased research. And BH Conflict Resolution Services, a full-service dispute resolution firm offering expert and cost-effective mediation services to couples, groups, and businesses. BHCRS can be reached at www.bhcrs.com. We'd like to thank our podcast partners, Buzzsprout, who hosts the Nova Society, iHeartRadio, where people get their music and podcasts, Apple iTunes, the largest source for music and podcasts on the internet, Spotify, the most popular source for the Nova Society podcast. Finally, PodKite, our analytical partners. We'd like to thank all of our listeners. If you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest on the Nova Society, we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. We'd also like to remind everyone that the Nova Society podcast is now available on our new YouTube channel. We encourage everyone to check out the channel and like and subscribe. The link can be found in our description. Remember, the power of society is knowledge. So for Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon and all of us here at the Nova Society podcast, I'm Dr. Mark Bound. Be well, and we hope to see you again next time.